Hey guys, welcome back to Mommyhood Redeemed. I'm here with my good friend Vanessa. Hey guys. And what an unprecedented time in history and in our lives we're in right now. Hmm. Who would have thought that a month ago things would be the way they are today? And it seems like things are rapidly changing by the day and even the hour. Seriously, the uncertainty of what news each day is going to bring is so real. And sometimes I think we probably, at least I do, feel like we're living in some sort of dream or alternate Mm -hmm. reality. I bet, you know, I don't think anybody ever thought or could have foreseen or predicted or even could control something like this. These are all words and phrases that I've heard by so many people. But someone thought and someone did see and someone did plan and somebody is very in control of all of this. Yes, absolutely. For the Christian, times like this prove our faith. James talks James talks about trials in chapter one of his book, commanding the believer to count it all joy. For you your you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, maturity, and completeness a.k.a. Christ-likeness. Paul in Philippians encourages the believer to persevere through trials, knowing that the current sufferings are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed to us. I came across an illustration months ago about the refiner's fire and what that really is in silver making. A woman watched the silversmith. He held a piece of silver over the fire and let it heat up. He explained that in the refining silver, in refining silver, one needed to hold the silver in the middle of the fire where the flames were hottest as to burn away all the impurities. The woman thought about God holding us in such a hot spot. Then she thought again about the verse that says, he sits as a refiner and purifier of silver, Malachi 3.3. She asked the silversmith if it was true that he had to sit there in front of the fire for the whole time the silver was being refined. The man answered that, yes, he not only had to sit there holding the silver, but he had to keep his eyes on the silver the entire time it was in the fire. If the silver was left a moment too long in the flames, it would be destroyed. The woman was silent for a moment. Then she asked the silversmith, how do you know when the silver is fully refined? He smiled at at her and answered, oh, that's easy. When I see my image in it. Hmm. Wow, you guys, what a picture for us, for what it looks like when we are walking through the fire or trials. We wanted to take some time today to hopefully encourage you as you walk through this uncertain time, yet a time that is very certain to the God who holds all things together. We hope and pray that through our discussion, you will cling to the truth of his word, the hope of his promises and the reality of his character. I love that illustration. And I pray Mm -hmm. that through this, you know, Christ would be seen so much in us. Mm -hmm. So we felt that it would be best to start with the truth that God is on his throne. I have to tell myself that every day. God (laughs) is on his throne. In times like these, when everything is in chaos and out of control and people are despairing, you know, their hope is so often in this perceived control that they have over their day-to-day lives. And when all of that gets thrown up in the air, anxiety and worry and fear all come into play. 
But I think the reality for all of us that we need to accept is that we aren't in control. We never have been and we never will be. The one who made the world and everything and created every human being in his image is the one who is and has always been in control. There's nothing that comes by surprise to him. There's nothing that is outside of his good and perfect plan. God doesn't look into the future and make a plan B for something that happens as if it was out of his plan and his control. No, his plan was always the same from the very beginning. And that means that even in this situation that we find ourselves in today with this virus and all the implications with the economy and everything, it was always and is always part of his good and purposeful and sovereign plan from before the foundations of the world. It's crazy when you start to really think about that. I've often this last week thought about Joseph in Egypt um, in scripture where it talks about how, you know, his brothers come to see him after the whole time where they had thrown Mm -hmm. him in the pit and he was taken away. And he reminds them, his brothers, that what they meant for evil in that act, God meant for good. You see, even through the curse of sin and all the evil in this world that it brings, God is at work making good, making beauty from ashes. And once we submit to the fact that God is in control, we can rest in his sovereign hand and his plan and everything. Now, obviously, that doesn't mean that you don't plan or prepare or have wisdom, but that does mean that you can take heed to what Jesus says, for example, in Matthew 6, where he says, don't worry about tomorrow. I'm going to take care of you. Tomorrow has enough worries about itself. Just focus on today. And what Paul says in Philippians 4, to not be anxious about anything. And that that uh, passage in Philippians has really been something that God has been using over actually before all this even happened in my heart to remind me continually of where my joy needs to be found. Um, in verse 4 of chapter 4, it says to rejoice in the Lord always. And he says it again. I say it again rejoice. And I think that's where our hearts need to start every day. We need to rejoice. We need to find joy in our stance with Christ, in our hope that we have of eternal life with him. Because when we start there, we can then filter everything that's going on around us in truth and realize, you know what, even though my circumstances may not be how I like them, I can still have that deep seated joy and confidence in who, with who I am in Christ. And then after that, it talks about because you can rejoice in the Lord that you need to be gentle and reasonable to everyone around you because God is near. And so when we remember, okay, God is here, God is near, he is with me, that can calm our fears, that can calm our anxiety, that can calm any worry we might have. And in turn, it should transform the way that we respond to a situation. And I think that I'm guilty of this where in a situation where I'm anxious or worried or I don't have control, I can be quick to, you know, be short with my kids or my husband or, you know, get impatient easily or whatever. But, you know, Paul is telling us here that we need to be gentle. We need to be reasonable because God's near. He's here. He's in control. We don't need to, you know, freak out and get upset and impatient Mm -hmm. and let those things that we don't have control of that are irritating us in turn hurt someone else with our words or our attitude. And then right after he says, don't be anxious about anything, but in every single situation, pray, go to the Lord in prayer and petition with Thanksgiving. That means 
thanking God for who he is, what he's doing, even though you might not want to be in the situation, you can thank him that he is working his perfect plan in and through your life and presenting those requests to God. And then he promises right after that, at the end, that when we do that and we give him that, we cast all our cares on him, that perfect peace that only he can supply is going to guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. And he ends it with just reminding us, okay, what do you need to do then? You need to think on everything that is true and right and good and lovely and pure and praiseworthy. And so just, we need to just shift. Okay. When I have, you know, an anxious or a worry thought, let me replace that with something of truth, something that's going to encourage me, something that's going to remind me of who the Lord is. So as believers, once we've reminded ourselves of this truth of who is reigning, who is ruling and what we're to do. And knowing that, what should we do in a time like this? And how should we act? That is, thank you, Vanessa. That was wonderful and a great reminder. And this is where the greatest commandment comes into play. When asked, Jesus said the greatest commandment is to love God with all your heart and to love your neighbor as yourself. That means that in a time like this, we are to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, and to love those around us. So how do we do that practically? As believers, people are always watching us, watching to see how we respond in times like these, to see what we say and what we do. This is our time to shine the glory of God in ways that we often don't get the opportunity to do. We need to be the voice of hope in a time like this. This means that when given the opportunity on social media or in a phone call or to our children or to a neighbor neighbor or whatever it may be, you need to share the gospel. In a time when people are thinking about the reality of death, this is the time to remind them of their need for a savior. And it really does excite me to feel like it's even better, even a a great way that we can, we can share the gospel. People are searching and we want to be bright lights shining through this dark, chaotic world. The greatest way we can love our neighbors is to share Jesus, the gospel with them. And second, we need to love others through prayer. We need to be on our knees often for those around us, for government officials, our cities, our states, and our entire nation. Uh, We need to intercede on behalf of them. We need to beg God for mercy, for grace, and for his provision and protection. He is on the throne. Yes, his ways will prevail and his will will come to pass. But as we read in James, the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Prayer is the means by which God executes his plans. So be on our knees, dear sisters. And lastly, regardless of how blown out of proportion we may think this is or not, we need to submit to the government authorities around us and be a light in doing that. And as hard as it is for us to stay in our homes, miss out on church and other things, we are being called to sacrifice things we have often taken for granted, common comforts for the better of another person to show them we love them. God calls us to love others, to prefer them over ourselves. And in doing that, we need to seek, as Martin Luther said back in 1527, a deadly plague hit Martin Luther's town of Wittenberg. And he wrote a letter to a friend explaining how churches should deal with such complicated circumstances. I shall ask God mercifully to protect us. Then I shall fumigate, help 
purify the air, administer medicine and take it. I shall avoid places and persons where my presence is not needed in order not to become contaminated and thus perchance inflict and pollute others and so cause their death as a result of my negligence. If God should wish to take me, he will surely find me and I have done what he has expected of me. And so I am not responsible for either my own death or the death of others. If my neighbor needs me, however, I shall not avoid place or person, but will go freely as stated above. See, this is such a God-fearing faith because it is neither brash nor foolhardy and does not tempt God. Yes, I've been so challenged in that and what it really means to prefer others and to love others. And I think we really just want to encourage you the most with during this time, just having the right perspective through all of it. I know we both, we were just talking about this before we recorded and just how important perspective really is. It's, I think, so easy for us to focus on the negative and all the things that, uh, you know, we don't like or we wish we could do or why things are this way or whatever it might, it might be. But when we're filling our minds with things like that, it just leaves us really feeling helpless and confused and even hopeless at times. And I think the Lord, in fact, I know the Lord would want us to do the exact opposite of that. He wants us to wake up each day and look for ways to praise him. Look for ways to be thankful. There's always, always, always something to be thankful for and to see his mercies in the day to day, even through a hard time like we're in right now. I came across something that um, somebody posted. Uh, it was adapted from something that C.S. Lewis wrote to kind of pertain to what's going on today. And I think it was helpful in helping shift perspective. It said, Satan is saying in this time, I want to cause anxiety and fear and panic. I want to shut down businesses and schools and sports and stores and places of worship and cause economic turmoil. But God is saying, I will bring together neighbors, restore the family unit. I will bring dinner back to the kitchen table. I will help people slow down their lives and appreciate what really matters. I will teach my children to rely on me and not the world. I will teach my children to trust me, not their money and material resources. I just read that and I was like, wow, that's so true. And we start to look at the perspective of what God is doing and how he's bringing glory to himself, drawing people to himself in a time like this, refining his children, things start to change. You know, I was really thinking today about how my perspective was kind of getting skewed and I was focusing on the negative and frustrated that we weren't going to get to go to church again. And, you know, how could this be, you know, a good thing? Like how, how, why would God not want us to be in fellowship with our brothers and sisters in the Lord? And I had to stop myself and remember, okay, God is on his throne and he is doing something just like he made the nation of Israel wait in the wilderness, just like Noah was on the ark for months and months and months after the you know, the floods were done. It took a long time for the water to go down. When we are called to wait, he refines. And that's what he's doing. He's asking us to wait, to trust him, to see what he's going to do, and to let all those things that are going on right now drive us to him and drive our families to him. 
allow us to be more present with our families, with our kids, to train them more intentionally. I think sometimes when we're out and about, we don't get to do those things. And now we're being forced to do it and to really invest in things that we probably neglect, like being in the word more or relationships that we haven't really been able to pour into. So I think having the right perspective really keeps our hearts aligned with the truth. Oh, so true. And lastly, we just wanted to give you some tips on how to talk to your kids about this time. Many of you have younger children or school-age children and are probably getting some confused looks when you tell them, again, that we can't go to the park or the mall or the museum or school. Um, And trying to explain something like this to children is hard. And yet, this is a God-given opportunity to help them see a sovereign God on the throne and the need for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when my kids asked, mommy, why is there no more toilet paper and bread and any of these numerous items at the store that are sold out? We tried to simply put it this way. People are living in fear, buying things out of fear and trusting material things to get them through this uncertain time. But as believers in Jesus, we have certainty. We have this hope that will never run out. We have hope in a God that made the universe, every planet, all the stars, and also every single tiny cell of their body. We can live in a wise way while at the same time trusting a perfect sovereign God that loves us and knows what tomorrow brings. Hmm. So, so encouraging. I know my kids, I had a couple kids in tears this morning that we couldn't go to church again. You know, we're so thankful, though, for technology and the ability to be able to share truth in this capacity that we are and just our churches have been able to. And we just pray that through this season of really having to live out your faith where the rubber meets the road, that you would draw near to the Lord, that you would find comfort in his faithfulness and his immutability that he never changes. You know, every person or thing we trust will eventually fail us, except for Jesus. Mm -hmm. Only he can bear the full weight of our hope. And John Piper said that, and it's been a quote that I've clung tightly to during this time. So thanks so much for listening today. We look forward to continuing on this journey with you all as we seek to redeem mommyhood every day for God's glory through the power of the gospel.